hey, welcome to episode five of the Clayton Castle podcast. I want to start off this episode by saying thank you to everyone who has listened, subscribed, and just taken a great part of this podcast. Uh, my last episode with my stepmom, Pat, was the first one that I went on Spotify and Apple Podcasts in addition to already being on SoundCloud. So thank you to everyone who is listening and giving great feedback. I'm really excited for where this podcast is going to head in the coming episodes and the coming seasons. Uh, before I start and before I get to my guests, I also want to address something that I actually addressed on my personal Facebook. I know not everyone follows me on Facebook, but and that's about my new job. Um, I will not be announcing where I am now working. It's nothing against the company. It's not, you know, I'm not ashamed to work here. It's just that after being a journalist for six years, six plus years actually, um, I think it's finally time that I am not defined by what I do for a living. There are many other things that I am in my life. I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a fiance, soon to be husband. I am a Christian, I am a diehard Bearcats fan, but I feel as though for the first eight years of my life, the first six to eight years, as long as I've been a journalist, I've been defined as Clayton Castle, the journalist. So um, I'm really excited for this new opportunity that I have. Um, I will say it's in downtown Cincinnati. It is less stressful than being a journalist. And I just love where I work and what I do. Um, but it's not something that I want to be defined by because I don't think anyone should have to be defined by what they do to earn a paycheck. They should be defined by the the relationships that they have, what they do as a hobby, and what they love and who they love. Um, so I'm really excited to finally live that new lifestyle of being Clayton Castle, the everything else in my life, and not Clayton Castle, the journalist. So I just want to get that out of the out of the air, and uh, I'm really excited for this episode. I'm going to be talking to one of the top real estate agents in the Cincinnati area. He is the top real estate agent in Butler and Warren County. He is one of the tops in um, in Hamilton County and Cincinnati. I will be talking to Zach Farrell. That interview is coming up next. To the Clayton Castle podcast. I want to introduce my next guest. He is a successful realtor in Butler in Warren County. He is a podcast host and he is also soon to be or is a candidate for city council for the city of Middletown. I would like to welcome in my next guest, Zach Farrell. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, thank you for coming on. I want to talk to you because, you know, you and I have no, we, we know of each other. We've known each other for almost a year now. I know, you know, my fiance, Heather, and you have sold a lot of houses to our friends. So um, yeah. we, uh, you know, we, we, we know your value to not just our friends, but the community as a whole. Um, so thank you for being awesome. <laughs> um, I want to start with kind of your upbringing because you recently announced your candidacy for Middletown and you called it your hometown as the town that gave you so much and that you wanted to give back to it. So kind of talk about your upbringing in Middletown and what that was like. Yeah. So I was born December 5th, 1991. So I am 29 years old, uh, born and raised in Middletown. Like you said, I was born uh, your average, you know, upper middle class family. Uh, We did, my parents actually built a house in Franklin when I was in sixth grade, we moved away for a year and then we came back. So I was kind of that kid that like grew up, no issues, no problems, nothing to worry about. Life was great. Uh, It was fantastic. And uh, I would say from there, uh, my parents got a divorce. Uh, My dad lost his job and uh, you know, so we kind of struggled through when I was like middle school and high school, we really struggled. It was, you know, my mom was a single mom raising me and my brother, uh, grew up in a two bedroom house. My brother had the second bedroom and I lived in the basement and, uh, my grandpa and, uh, just random people helped build this bedroom and, and my bathroom in the basement. So, um, it was like probably a thousand square foot house that I was ultimately raised in. Uh, so something interesting about me is I kind of, I had that life that was kind of the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. Um, and then, you know, my, my dad, unfortunately, passed away when I was 20. So almost 10 years ago. And I have a younger brother. He's eight years younger than me. Uh, so he was 12 at the time. So it was kind of interesting that, um, you know, I was I got to experience some of the good times. He really didn't. And I kind of like, I guess, got to see how it can shape and change and, you know, really mold who you are when the people that are around you. So I, I, I took a lot of that and kind of uh, parlayed that into real estate and uh, just never tried to make the situation about me in real estate. And I, I just try to give everybody a great customer service experience because I know how important it is to, to feel invested into for, from a lot of what I you know received growing up. I was never, I always did really well in school. I was never straight A's. Um, but I was, I was always on a roll. I graduated with honors, I believe. Uh, but I was never the best of the best. I just always like wanted to help. And I, I knew that like, even though high school wasn't my time to shine, I knew eventually I would go on to do great things one day. Um, it just took sales to kind of, uh, get me there, but that's, that's kind of my upbringing, I guess, overall is just being, you know, I was raised in just your, I mean, we were on food stamps at one point, not for very long. I would say like our family is like the success story of like, you know, getting government assistance, being able to get help and then going on and, and, and growing from there. And my mom always like told me that she's like, you know, I may not be able to do these things myself right now, but I'm going to instill in something or instill into you something that, you know, you go to the next, you know, essentially ladder of like social mobility is, is what I call it kind of. Um, people stuck in the own rut that they're in, 
which there's so many things for that and so many reasons for that, which I understand. But my mom always told me that, and she truly believed it. I, I could do anything I wanted to. And I always believed that because that's what always, you know, what she always told me. And I took that and then I turned it into where I am today. Was your mom your biggest influence in your life? Because you are a very successful real estate agent. You have done well in life, but that had to come from those values to be that successful. The drive, the motivation had to come from someplace or somewhere or someone. Was you talk a little a lot about your mom just now? Was she kind of like your biggest influence in your life? Well, she definitely was. She was my biggest cheerleader. And she's always been one of my best friends. And, you know, she may have not given me brand new cars when I turned 16 or those types of things. But one thing she always gave me was love. And I think that's the best thing she ever gave me. But I remember the days I was actually like being nationally recruited for kicking uh, for football. And I had like a career ending injury. This guy stepped on my foot. Long story. But moral of the story is um, she used to go out there and hold the football for me on, on, on the high school football field, and kick field goals. So she's always been like my cheerleader and she's always invested in my brother and myself. And that's that's what sucks is, you know, so many people that are in the position in Middletown of where I grew up, you know, very low average, you know, median household income. But I did have, you know, great parents, but my mom especially was she always invested in me and just believed in me. And, you know, anything that I ever wanted to do, she would try to make and find a way to make it happen. You know, I, earlier in this podcast, I actually interviewed Rodney Metersball and he talked a lot about the influences, the family influence influences and the family values that were instilled in him. And I think that's a, says a lot about the Middletown community where it's very family oriented and people, successful people like yourself and like Rodney, um, find those values to be successful that they learned at home growing up, whether it was, um, you know, your mom being your biggest cheerleader or not having much growing up, you kind of take those lessons and instill them in your life to be successful. Is that a fair assessment of what has happened in your life? Yeah, I think definitely. And I think something you touched on there is really important is, you know, which we'll get into later about me running for city council. But mm -hmm. the best thing about Middletown, in my opinion, is like the people that are here because people don't move to Middletown for opportunity. Generally, they move here because they truly love and care about it, no matter what the opportunity is. And, th and that's really rare in today. Uh, just like, you know, you have so many people here that I know that they'll work like part time jobs and scrape by so that way they can coach like kids youth football like how does that even make sense you know but there's truly people like here and it takes you know i guess the old saying you know it takes a neighborhood or a community it's like raise a kid um you know i was never like running the streets like i, I did like my mom kind of worked part-time and my, i always had my grandparents that were picking me up so it's not like i was like i don't want to paint the picture of like i didn't have anything growing up like we always made it by and i, I never had to worry about the electricity being cut off or I, it's nothing like that, but I always did have random people picking me up, but we always found a way to like, you know, be happy and everything. And, you know, I may have walked a few places over the years, but it was never like bad, but truly like the people around us kind of really sculpted who we are. And uh, that's still instilled in me today to this day. What inspired you 
to, or what drove you to want to be a real estate agent? My mom was always in and out of real estate. She, I think when I was 12, she got a real estate license, maybe 11 or 12. And actually the house that I grew up in that we bought when I was in seventh grade, I actually found that online first before she did. So I was joking to say I was the real estate prodigy since I was 12. Uh, but I've always had an interest in it. Um, it's just been something I've enjoyed. I'm not one of those people that's necessarily like, oh, let's go look at this house. It's so cool. Every once in a while, that kind of house pops up for me. But I've always been interested in the people and the relationships that it brings. When I was little and I didn't have that much going for me, I always wanted to feel important and be important and have people reach out to me and say, can you please help us? So that was always my goal is to like do a good enough job for somebody that to where they just wanted my help. And I think after all these years, I've finally been able to accomplish that. And, but that's, that's, uh, that's really what inspired me. It's just always something I was in college and I wasn't doing a great job in college. I was doing okay. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I took some real estate classes, passed my test. Didn't sell any houses my first six months. It was horrible. And then I, and I talk about this on my podcast too, the winner's circle, Derek Murphy and Shelby Murphy gave me a chance. They were my first clients and I was broke, man. I was dead broke, like $6 in my bank account, like credit card maxed out. If this house didn't close, who knows where I'd be today, you know? And they gave me that chance and it closed and, you know, they sold their house on Fleming. They bought another house. And since we've probably done six or seven transactions, I think I'm getting ready to list uh, her parents' house actually. So it's just funny, you know, these relationships you build, but I never knew what I would get out of it. I always thought it'd be right. good. You know, I could make a good living, but not even about the money, but just what I've received in turn from being able to do this and provide these opportunities for people. But as much as I've given to people, they've given, you know, like they've just given me so much and like made me feel fulfilled. It's, it's even, it goes even farther than where I thought it would. You know, you talk about that first sale and how, it, how the, the, the position that you were in, like you had to sell this house and now you are in a position where you and your, um, the, the other member of the Farrell team, Spencer yes. are among the top real estate agents in all of Butler and Warren County and pretty high up in, in Hamilton County, Cincinnati. And I believe I read that you actually are out of Miamisburg, which is in Montgomery County. <laughs> so, uh, you're, you're pretty much everywhere here in Southwest Ohio. Um, what was, what, what kind of influenced that drive to keep going after that first purchase? So that's an interesting question you ask. I, somebody asked me this yesterday, like what keeps me going? What keeps me right? I'm always after it because sale real estate sales, you never know in your next transaction is going to be. Mm -hmm. You never know, you know, somebody going to call you that, that type of thing. So I started out, I wanted to, I drew a circle around Middletown and I said, all right, this is the area I'm going to take over. And I knew I started in real estate in 2013, right after Middletown became a top 10 dying city. I said, all right, I want to go invest in Middletown and I want to be the top agent in Middletown. People literally laughed at me and was like, why would you want to sell a house in Middletown? I'm like they're worth nothing. Nobody sell, nobody buys there, that type of thing. And I said, yeah, but if they do and I can help be a part of the change, then imagine what the options are. 
And, you know, eight and a half years later, that's finally happened. And I've been a part of the change and I've bought and flipped houses and, you know, have rental houses and those types of things. So I've truly invested in it. But really, it's, you know, kind of our sphere operates mostly out of Butler and Warren County. We've got some Preble, we've got some Hamilton County, we've got some Miamisburg. But I've got a team now. I, we have three agents, Spencer and I, who's kind of my co-team leader. He like he runs some of the stuff. I run some of the stuff. Uh, we have three agents on our team now. We have a full-time admin. We have a part-time marketing person. So we, we're strategically placing ourselves all over Southwest Ohio to kind of grow in each area to just continue to bring more business. And it's not a money thing. You know, we finished number one in Butler and Warren County last year as far as transactions, but really it's just helping more people. So like people ask, you know, how much, what's your, what's the goal you want to make? Or, you know, what's the sales volume you want to sell? You know, do you want to sell 40 million? Like we sold 29 last year. It's not a, it's not a volume number. It's really how many families can we help buy and sell? Because at the end of the day, I think we're going to do more research. We're going to do more training and we're going to try to get you a better deal or get you more money than the next realtor out there. So if you're going to choose us when there's so many options out there, that's an honor and a privilege. And I can't waste your time and I can't waste your money if you're going to entrust in me to do that. So I just want to continue to like provide that mentality and that approach for everybody that I can and uh, just keep that going. You know, you hear a lot about the housing market and, you know, it's a seller's market, or it's a buyer's market. Um, as someone who is a very successful real estate agent, what is the current state of the housing market and how is that affected by the COVID-19 pandemic? It's kind of a twofold thing that I don't even think most realtors understand. Right now, it's if you ask anybody, I, I get this literally every single day, you know, oh, wow, it must be a great time to be a realtor. The market's so hot. The market is very hot for a seller. But what that means is as a realtor, if you have a buyer, they're making five, six, seven offers on some houses before they even get one, which that probably means you're showing them 15, 20 houses. Right. Real estate was much easier for me as a realtor like three or four years ago. You know, you'd show them five or six houses and they pick one and then they buy it. And now it's like if you don't sell somebody's house in the first two or three days on the market, they're breathing down your neck. Like, when are you going to sell my house? What are you doing wrong? These types of things. My friends, Joe and Susie, just sold their house last week and it sold in 24 hours. Why isn't my house sold? So it's kind of weird. It's the market's great if you're selling. If you're buying, you're paying over list price usually. Um, the good part is the rates are still pretty low. The interest rates are pretty low. But what you can't do is listen to what somebody else says. You, you have to trust whatever realtor you pick uh, because every micro market as in each city is a little bit different. But overall, it's a great time to sell. As far as being a realtor, it's it's still great. It's just different. It shifts constantly. That's something in real estate is it's always shifting. Just like whenever school starts, and I found this out over eight years, and it probably took me five or six to realize it. The first two weeks of school, the market slows down a lot. So I always tell my clients now, don't list the first two weeks of school because for whatever reason, people don't want to look. I mean, I understand they're busy. And, you know, during the NFL season, like the weekends slow down a little bit because you have the Bengals games and the Browns games, and those types of things. So you want to put your house up, you know, overall, you know, early summer, late spring, those types of times are great. Even in the dead winter after the NFL season is pretty good. Then another thing as far as what's causing the market to be like this, COVID 
for whatever reason, made the market explode. I guess people didn't have anything else to do and they have money in their pockets now. Yeah. It used to be every buyer wanted to ask the seller for closing costs. Most buyers are not asking for closing costs anymore because they have stimulus checks and those types of things. And I think on top of that, if you look at the US, uh, the average US population, it goes up by about one and a half percent every year for I think like the last 30 years, which is great as long as you're building enough houses to keep uh, demand and inventory up. However, over the last like 10, 15 years, uh, the, the crash of 2008, it put a lot of business out, a lot of builders out of business, and it scared a lot of people from building. So you have the, the like the, the amount of inventory is not up and there were not enough houses built. So I, I truly think that this housing shortage may last longer than people think and the market may stay up for sellers longer than they think because we're just not building enough houses. And I just read something, an article the other day that said that the government needs to step in and start giving these builders like, you know, incentives to keep building and try to build more because otherwise we're just going to continue to have this problem. It's either going to be houses are just going to be a ridiculous amount of money or you're going to start seeing multi-generational families living together, you know, with the grandparents and the parents or the parents and the, and the kids, because that's going to be the only way to afford things. And, you know, if there's nowhere to go, you have no other choice. And that's really interesting. One thing I never thought of and that you just said is how the housing market can, there are a lot of factors and influences of how, how, how it goes, like how a Bengals game, like, how the market slows on Sundays. Like that just blew my mind. Just like how something so simple can affect something so big. Um, one thing I want to ask you, you know, you talked a couple of questions ago about Middletown and how it was, I think you said a dying city about what, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, how, and we're going to talk a lot about like how much you love Middletown and, but just in terms of the housing market in Middletown, how have you seen that change since you've been a realtor? That's a fun question. When I started in real estate, I remember I listed this uh, for sale by owner in Manchester Manor, which if you ever read the book, Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, it's the neighborhood that he talks about in there that his parents told him that if he did, or his grandparents said, if he did really great in life one day, that he could own a house in this neighborhood, which is kind of ironic because a really nice house in that neighborhood is like a starter house in Westchester, which is like two towns over from us. So it's just kind of ironic. But I listed a house in this neighborhood for like, I think like 140 and it didn't sell. And then a few years later, maybe probably five years later, it ended up selling for over 200,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had one, I actually flipped a house last year that it sold the month I got in the real estate for 90,000. And I bought and sold it last year and ultimately it sold for 211. So the market has more than doubled in the last eight years in Middletown. So it truly was crap and now it's not which has been great for my business and everybody's got equity now and everybody's able to sell and now it's just trying to find more sellers that you know what to sell um now we will shift to middletown um you know you announced the other day that you're actually moving into the city to run for city council to give back to the city that gave you so much growing up and throughout your entire life really um, what is it about Middletown that makes you want to run for a city council? Well, and when I, I tell people I left Middletown, but I never truly left. I just moved out to Madison Township, which is just west of Middletown. 
I moved like two miles, three miles away. I just, I had a great opportunity to buy some land and had ponds and everything, but you can't run for city council living out there. So I, I'm buying a house in Middletown now. Ironically, I'm sitting in a rental house of mine for the next week. I have my bed set up and like five cups so I can drink water. And that's all I have for the next week. So I'm, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm, I'm investing already. Um, but Middletown, it's, I'm one of those people, when people ask me where I went, where I wanted to go to college, it was never like, oh, I want to go to California. Or I want to go to Texas or Florida. I, I originally was going to go to college at UC at University of Cincinnati. I ended up just going to the regional campus at Miami here in Middletown. But I never really wanted to move away. I, I always wanted to stay and try to make a difference where I could. And I, I think that our generation, the 20s and 30s in Middletown, there's not really been an impactful person around that has, has tried to make a difference yet in, in the way that I'm going to try to. And I hope that I can kind of be that leader for people like you even. And, you know, your friend, cause you guys are a few years younger than me, but I hope that I can like inspire you guys and get you guys involved in different committees and, and, you know, truly be the change that we need because Middletown has been ran by the same people, just like most cities have for so long. There's no fresh ideas. There's no fresh thoughts. People, you know, they're just going along. They're going with the flow essentially. And when I ask people around town, you know, what's your thoughts on things? They're like, you know, I haven't really thought about it because it's just always been the same. And I've just heard that mentality over and over and over again. And I just kind of hope I can be the change for those people. So, you know, people that, you know, why am I running? What, what am I, what, what do I plan to do? And I can't even say that I have like this great approach of what I'm going to do. First of all, city council is not powerful enough for that. Second of all, I want to hear what people's ideas are. What are your thoughts? What can I do to make a difference? If you could change one thing, what would it be? And that's really kind of what I'm running on is anything that I've done, it's turned out to be successful, but what can, what difference and what change can I make? And that, I've just wanted to always, I guess, just give back. And, you know, I had teachers and all these people that, you know, dedicated time when they didn't have to, to me. And I just want to be able to return that favor for the next generation, I guess. Say you're elected and you're elected to one or two terms. Where do you see Middletown in five to 10 years under your leadership? Middletown has a very interesting thing going on right now that people don't see and they don't know. In that right now, I think the morale is the highest it's ever been. So this dates back to AK Steel when it locked out. I think it was 2007. And Middletown has had a hard time recovering. It was a top 10 dying city in the United States. And for the first time ever that I can kind of feel like it in the public, people are very excited. They're out, they're doing things, especially with COVID having people locked away last year. This year, especially people, they want, they want to be excited about something. They want to, they want to, and our generation, the millennial generation and the younger generations, they, they love to get into something that's bigger than themselves. And we have for the first time ever that I'm seeing, because I see all these purchase agreements and the listing documents uh, from people that are buying and selling in Middletown. For the first time ever, we have people that are moving here that are not from Middletown and they want to be here for a reason. Like right. I said earlier, they're <laughs> moving here for opportunity. So they're moving here because they truly love and care about Middletown and they want to invest. So I think, first of all, 
I need to be the, the torchlight. I need to be the leading light that brings these people together and says, here's what you can do to help. People want to help. They just really don't know how to, I think. And it's not really been communicated clearly. It took, you mentioned Rodney Meterspaul earlier. It took him reaching out to me and saying, hey, you need to do this thing. I had all these people that approached me about running for council. I did not really want to do this, to be honest. Like, I, I have a great life. I, I do what I want. I go where I want. And, you know, I sell houses and, and I enjoy my life. And this is, you know, I'm not doing this for the money, trust me, because it, it doesn't pay hardly anything. It's, I'm not doing this for the power to try to gain something out of it. But I think for me, we're at a pivotal point because we can lose this momentum that we have going with the people. And if we can get these people in the right direction, get them excited about things, if they can bring their friends here, if we can get more tax dollars in, we can hire more policemen, we can hire more firemen, we can build new buildings, we can attract businesses. Right now, one of the major problems Middletown has is it has such a high city tax limit on businesses. It's hard for businesses to come here and maybe not so much start out, but to bring to go from, you know, Westchester to come here would would cost your business money. So we need to be more progressive with the small businesses and help them out. And, you know, what can we do? Can we give you, I don't even know, I'm just throwing out ideas right now, but, you know, can we give you a grant to start your business? Because I know the city council is doing that right now, but let's start being a little bit more uh, mindful and, and open to ideas such as how do we promote these small businesses and how do we, how do we get more young people and really everyone just more involved in the city? You know, if you see a piece of trash on the street, pick it up. It's as little as things like that. You know, do the things that when people aren't watching it, do the things that are important that kind of make a city great. And we're probably all going to be a little bit better. But I think right now people just they don't trust the city council in a sense of it's just the same old guard that's been running it forever. It's always going to be this way. But I just hope that I can kind of change people's mentality and get them truly invested in where they want to live. And I think that's going to make a big difference just in presence. Um, I forget which president said it, but. There's a president that said people care about a presence more than they care about a plan. And that's kind of my approach is, you know, if you can just trust me and trust my leadership that I will I'll create the plan as we go along, but just get behind me and, and trust in me that I'm going to try to do the right things. And that's probably going to be the most helpful. This is OK. So my next question is from an outsider's perspective, obviously. I'm marrying Heather in like three weeks, but, and I will yep. be moving to Middletown, but right now I'm currently, you know, I'm born and raised in Cincinnati. Um, I have a little bit of history in Middletown. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but my great grandmother actually lived in Middletown. And so we come, come up here every, every couple, few weeks to visit her. And then she passed away in, let me think, uh, 2008. So between 2008 and when I met Heather, I didn't come up here. So that was almost, you know, a decade. Yeah. Um, and um, so my view of Middletown was always, first of all, there was nothing to do here because you have to remember my, again, 2008 was the last time I'd been up here. Um, there are some things that were open then that aren't open now. And there are things that are open now that aren't open, that weren't open then. Yeah. Um, things like the Manchester Inn, like we used to go there for lunch all the time. Um, so that was there then, not there now. Um, but so there are a lot of these businesses now that have flourished since 2008. Um, but when you compare Middletown to Westchester, you know, Middletown kind of gets overlooked. And just from an outsider's perspective, I think a lot of it has to do with I-75 and the corridor of I-75. You think about everything in Westchester and Liberty Center, a lot of it is right off the highway. 
uh, Top Golf. You can see these from the highway, um, Liberty Center, VOA, and um, so one piece of property that I've always kind of been fascinated with in Middletown that I wish the city would do something about is the town mall. Now, I know there's a plan currently to do something with that. I think there's a plan for some mixed-use development. Um, But what would you do with that I-75 corridor of Middletown to really, because that's kind of like the front door of Middletown, you know, per se, for, for, for outsiders, um, so what would be your plan to kind of read, not redo that area, but kind of look at, make it look fresh to invite people into Middletown? So it's three-parted in my opinion. So first off, some of the great things that are along the, the Monroe corridor, for example, like the outlet mall and the Racino, uh, which is the, the racetrack slash, um, uh, slot machine casino and i guess it's in warren county technically but it's right off the monroe exit right. middletown could have both those and middletown kind of screwed those up so but we can't go back and look at the things that we did wrong right we could have had those middletown would be great even better than i personally think it is but we don't have those so what can we do well first off i'll give you an example four years ago i reached out to our our mayor, our old mayor, and I asked him and I said, hey, I would love to take on, I think the number was like something like 40% of homes in Middletown don't pay a water bill. And that's one of the reasons that we're we're broke. (laughs) I said, hey, if you give me two houses, I will be willing to fix one up and give it away for free to a family. If you let me take another house off your plate and I'll resell it to kind of uh, recoup my money from the other one. And their answer was, that's not in our plan. Okay. That's not, so the city has these, I think it's like a 20, 30 year city plan that they want to accomplish, which that's great. So everything that they decided 10, 20 years ago is how things are supposed to go. Now, I don't really agree with that because I think the area and more than that, the world's moving and changing so rapidly and so quickly, we have to be willing to adjust. So the first thing I would do, honestly, is say we have to change the city manager's mind and the rest of city council on the plan that we have going and not necessarily change it, but we have to be willing to look at other options. So what do I think would work out there personally? It's tough to say. I, I would need to get in there. I don't know the exact city plan that they have going on, what they want to do. But I, I think, first of all, housing is important anywhere. I, obviously, I sound like a realtor when I say that. But the Renaissance, which is the closest neighborhood to the highway, which is actually on the other side of the highway, but it's literally on fire right now. Like There's not a better neighborhood than that. So if there's a way to bring housing there or... The, the theater in Middletown is ran down pretty bad. I don't know if like a really nice AMC theater would work there, but I think Middletown has, it has the problem of wanting to compete with Westchester, wanting to compete with like the Austin landing areas. We are not those areas. We, we can never be those areas because we're not a township. We're a city. We have to charge city income tax. They're not going to bring some of the things here that they would to those places. But if we can concentrate on being the best version of ourselves, then that's how we're going to truly do this. We don't have to be those people. That's not who we are. 
you know, we're a biscuits and gravy neighborhood. We're not, you know, a, a waffle, you know, neighborhood for lack of a better term. So what can we do? What businesses, you know, I think convention centers, everybody, I guess the plan is to put a convention center in downtown Middletown. That's the ultimate goal, but we have to, until we fix right off the highway, we're not, we need to get a corridor in between downtown and the highway. And really, in my opinion, the best way to do that is there's some old schools they've been that they've torn down in Middletown and that we've got some vacant areas there. And people say they don't want more rentals in Middletown because it already has such a high rental rate. Well, I don't think the problem in Middletown is the high rental rate. I think it's the quality of rental places we have in Middletown. So if we can put in some high-end apartment units, which that's already worked because we have one out by Walmart, it's done really well. I even think putting more of those out there <clears throat> would increase tax, a tax base coming into Middletown. I think those types of things can really work. I don't think, you know, we're going to put some, you know, the mall they want. I hope the plan with the mall works. But really, in my opinion, if we can just put some honestly blue collar, like nice apartment complexes, like just some businesses that people can use, like, a, a you know, like an ammo factory is potentially coming to Middletown. Places like that are, you know, that can create 10, 20 jobs at a time. That's how we're really going to change this town. Sounds good. <laughs> you sold me. <laughs> uh, um, so now I want to move to your podcast. And it's called The Winner's Circle by Spencer and Zach Farrell. Spencer is your partner at the Farrell team, uh, your, your, um, your realty company. Uh, but I learned right before we started that he's actually not your brother. This entire time, I thought he was your brother, and he's not. <laughs> but he does. Same last name, no relation. Makes sense, right? Uh, yeah. And, um, and I, I, first of all, I just want to say I love it. I've, I, I didn't listen to the entire thing, but I've listened to a couple episodes. And I'm trying to find it right now. There was an episode that really stuck with me. Um, the seven reasons people quit and give up. Mm-hmm. That that episode really, I, I, it just resonated with me because it kind of, when I think about you and what you've done in your life, you know, you never really gave up or or quit. Um, what was the purpose of? not this episode in particular, but just the podcast in general, because it seems like very motivational, making sure people, you're kind of giving people the motivation, the tools and the resources to be successful. So what was kind of like that motivation to start this podcast? I'll tell you that it was actually more of Spencer's brainchild than mine. Spencer's a little bit more creative than I am with things like that. But he came to me and said, hey, let's do this podcast. Let's, you know, so you never know who you can help out, whose ideas and thought process you can change, for lack of a better explanation. And I said, all right, let's do it. So we we just, our goal each time is, <clears throat> for the most part, to talk to somebody and kind of hear their struggles and how they got, you know, from where they were at to where they are now. We've had some amazing guests on there. And, you know, for me, it's like people reached out to us and said, wow, like this specific episode, like changed my mindset on this. Like we've helped people get closer to God and like rethink about their like relationship with the Lord. And, you know, we're all, we're taking a season off right now. We've taken a couple months off and we're going to start reshooting here, like in the next week or two, but people have been reaching out to us like, Hey, we want more episodes. When are you coming back? And that's a great feeling because obviously people are investing in what we have to say. And it's weird for me because I it's weird to think about that. I have a voice that people are like 
changed by what I say. It's still weird. And it's not like I'm like Donald Trump or Joe Biden or a politician or anything in that sense. But really for me, it's just, if I can touch one person each time I talk, then I'm doing my job and just trying to make their day better. Well, one thing I liked about it is, you know, you talk about almost every area of life. You talk about health and fitness, you talk about money, you talk about this, this, and that, and using all of these tools, these simple lifestyle changes to be successful. Um, do you, so to go back to the, um, the seven pe- the seven reasons people quit and give up, mm-hmm. where do these ideas for these podcasts come up, particularly that one? Cause that's the one that kind of struck with me. So that one, we actually took the idea of that from somebody else and made it our own. <clears throat> uh, it was what's funny about that. So a lot of real estate and business in general is like ripping off somebody else and just kind of making it own and trying to do it better. Uh, but a lot, everything I said though is I am a, uh, I'm never, if you tell me a reason you can't do something, I'm always going to tell you, all right, well, let's figure out a way to, to do it. Right. Right. That's just my mentality, whether it's, you know, I'm always trying to accomplish something new. That's just who I am. If my business is going great, I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next three months and keep on and be able to lift the same amount of weight that I can at the gym. I want to lose all fat. So I'm just always trying to accomplish something. And like I said, my mom always told me I can do anything I want. I've always believed in that. And it's just, I've had such great people invest in, in me all my life. It's kind of hard not to think like that. And I guess that's a point of this podcast is I, if somebody wants to reach out to me at any time, I'm willing to invest in them, but I don't want to hear your BS because you know what? We all have BS. And I realize, like, I'm a very big believer of the social mobility. Like I don't expect somebody to come from like being raised with nothing to, to go on to be the president. Like that is a great success story, but if you can just become better every single day, we all wake up at whatever time we choose. And we have the great denominator about life as well. We all have the same amount of time in every single day, but it's how you use that time and how you shape that time. Cause you're going to become either better or worse every single day when you wake up, but it's your decision on how you want to spend those hours. One thing that I listened to in the podcast, the, the seven reasons people quit and give up. One thing I learned about you is you are very stingy with your money. And what I mean by that is you don't spend a lot. You don't spend it on, on big things. You kind you kind of save your money. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit, not too much um, to go to riff off the seven ways thing. Give me three tips for people to be successful financially. So the funny thing about this is I don't know that I'm the guideline of that because I actually broke most of the time because I always reinvest my money. But the first thing I would say is you have to respect money. Money is freedom. Money doesn't actually buy you anything. Time buys you something. So if you think about money as just purely monetarily, like I don't think about money the same way other people do. Um, It's it's a value and an asset, but it it ultimately gets you where you want to go. But if you don't use money in the right way, like if you're going out and blowing it on the weekends, I guess this would go into my second thing. I I did not go out and spend money until I was like, I I started my career at 21 and I've always been cheap. 
but in a sense of, I just don't waste it. I've always respected it because I remember like my mom would take me through the drive through growing up. I got like three to $4 to spend no matter where we ate for dinner. Okay. So I knew what the value of something was. My mom always preached to me what the value of something was and it was what somebody was willing to spend. So I just have to make sure that I always stay on the lower end of that. Like I have a nice house and I have nice cars, but I'm also probably wearing a $6 t-shirt right now. Like I don't need to live like that. I don't showboat my money as much as possible. Like I have nice suits when I go talk to a high-end client, but I'm the same guy that can throw on a beat up $20 pair of Sperry's. Like I don't, I don't think money defines you. <laughs> money provides things. And once you get over a certain level of money, it takes away your worries, but you can't really become any happier off money. So I guess that's a, a for, I don't know that that gave you three specific things, but that's some of my rules of money is, I guess, once you hit a certain level, it's not going to bring you any, any more happiness. It's just going to take away worries. You know, yeah, you can go out to a restaurant and not have to worry about what you want to buy on the menu, but anybody can do that in general, right? For the most part, um, what, no matter what the restaurant is, like, you know, you can go to McDonald's, what's the difference between a McChicken and a $2 cheeseburger versus $1 McChicken? It's probably not a deciding factor. But it's something you do have to pay attention to. And I've always valued money to where I, I guess I do pay attention to that. I'm probably talking in circles right now. But if you can put together all the things I've just said, those are kind of my <laughs> values on money. So we, you talked a little bit at the beginning. You are 29 years old. I think you are probably the most successful 29-year-old I know, um, both in terms of your career and your money and now running for city council. So if there was a list of 40 under 40, in Middletown, Southwest Ohio, you'd probably be on it. So going with the 40 thing, where do you see, I'm going to ask you a two full question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And this will be the last question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And where do you see Middletown in 10 years? Uh, it's a challenging question. I, I see myself better than I am today. I don't know what 10 years from now looks like. I always had the dream that I would that I would grow the top team in this region in this area and i did that and my other goal was to be a top 30 real estate agent in the nation under 30 years old so i actually became a finalist this year for that so i finished top 50 but i didn't finish top 30. now i'm competing against people selling california new york florida much higher areas than this than ohio especially middletown ohio mm -hmm. so I, I did get very close to my goal there um but I don't know. That was my 30 year mark. So I need to re revisit and figure out what I want to do by 40. You know, I don't know if it's real estate. I don't know if it's like what I'm necessarily trying to accomplish. So it's not a great answer, but I just, I wake up every day and I want to become a little bit better than I am today. So I guess that's my short response. Maybe you asked me this in six months. Right. I have a different answer. You know, it's not like I want to go on to like, be a senator or governor or something like that. Like, yeah, I'm running for city council, but like I've already had people reach out and like some guy like got into an argument with me the other day about a house and he's like all oh, typical politician. And I was like, mm, oh. well, I don't think city council is necessarily like politician. <laughs> no, that's your neighbor. <laughs> right. Like I'm just the guy that's going to vote and hopefully, you know, maybe I can bring a water park to Middletown. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's really what I'm trying to do. There uh, it is. Real reason. Your real platform. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, where do I see Middletown in 10 years? I hope that we can be a hub for not just 
Well, right now, I guess the problem is over the last few years, people are moving outside of Middletown that are from Middletown. My first step would be to try to retain the people that we have, the great people that we have, and get them investing into the community. Second step of that is trying to draw the people that left back to Middletown. So I just asked one of the people on my committee that's trying to get me elected. She moved out to Renaissance. Her and her husband did, and they've got a kid now, and she's a teacher um, in the school district. And I said, hey, what would it take to get you back to Middletown? And she said, well, let me give me a few days to think on that, and I'll have a good answer for you. So how can we get these great American families that left Middletown, how can we get them back to Middletown investing in Middletown? Okay. And then the third part is how do we get the people that are not from Middletown to Middletown? So I think it's a three-step process. But the first thing is retention. We have to start giving people a place to live that is going to be young and vibrant and upbeat for these, especially like our generation younger. They want stuff to do. They want to go out. They want to feel safe. So I think we have to bring, I would love to see more policemen here. I think that's so important because that's that's really like the backbone. I think safety, like people want to feel safe and secure where they're at, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, you need kind of safety for all those things, in my opinion. So I think that's one thing. I hope that we can increase the housing inventory and bring some new construction here, whether that's through high-end apartment uh, rentals or whether that's through uh, new construction homes, which there's, there's not a lot of land left in Middletown, but that's something. Uh, third is I would like to see, um, I believe it's the second ward, but it's over um, – the Minnesota, the, the Baltimore Street, that that area over there by Rosa Parks Elementary, they need an independent um, grocery store for themselves. I think that's very important. And people have talked about it for a lot of time. But I think, you know, the people that live in that area, they feel like they're left out. They can't really get anywhere, especially if they don't have a means for transportation. So I think there's just a lot of forgotten people in Middletown that they don't even feel like they have a voice. But I would love to see, you know, people walking down the street and walking their dogs more. Uh, as funny as things like that are, I think that's important for a community. I'd love to see a dog park here. I'd love to see when I would drive down downtown Middletown. It looks like I had somebody tell me the other day, it looks like you're driving uh, straight to hell. And I don't want it. To, I don't want it to seem like that anymore. And I don't want it to have to be a pride parade to, to make it uh, look nice and colorful and, and vibrant. So I think, you know, can we change that? And then can we get the town mall into something that is that that we can truly specialize in. Like right now, the ice hockey, like if if we put an ice hockey rink out there, it's going to draw people from all over. But how can we get those people from all over to stay and get that tax basis, which is going to continue? Because until we start making more money, it, we're really not going to be able to do much more. So we have to get the taxes back here. I think that's the most important part, and I think that's where I can truly help. Is because I know how to, I know why people leave. And I know why they come back. And I know that better than anybody because I outsell everybody here. So I just hope that I can kind of take what I've learned over my past eight years of experience in this and kind of put it to use. Great. Well, Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for um, being a good friend to a lot of people, including myself. And uh, best of luck in your city council race. Best of luck in, in your career. And we will be right back with the mailbag segment, taking your questions, and I answer them.
Welcome back to the Clayton Castle Podcast. I am joined this segment by a very special guest. She is a teacher. She is a citizen and resident of Middletown, Ohio. She is the love of my life. She is Heather Baker, soon to be Heather Castle. Heather, say hello to the world. (laughs) Hello, world. (laughs) So I wanted to have her on because we are, how many days away from the wedding now? As of this recording, we're recording this on Monday night. So what? I think we're 18 away. 18 days away from being Mr. and Mrs. Um, I'm really excited. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. Well, <laughs> for for to to marry me or to be married? <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? Don't answer that. <laughs> um, so we're gonna answer. I'm gonna ask the question. She can chime in if she wants. Um, two of them kind of have to do with her anyway. Um, so we'll see what we're doing here. So the first question comes from the mailbag. I would call him a mailbag mailbag groupie, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, my friend Joe, who's also in, he's also in the wedding. Yes, he's a groomsman. He said, "You, but you guys. Well, it says you, me, me, but yeah. you're here, so I'm gonna do a Craig Ferguson and say you guys. <laughs> You've been doing brewery runs. What, uh, what has been your ex- your experience so far with the local scene? What are the ones you have been to so far? What beers do you like there?" As of now, what is your favorite local beer from your favorite local brewery? Does your favorite beer come from your favorite place? So That's a loaded wh- question. It's a lot of questions. <laughs> we have been to five now? Four. Four. Well, we four. went to five, but rated four because yes. we did not eat at the first one. Correct. So we started this a little over a month ago, about a month and a half ago. We went somewhere, I forgot where, with my mom. And then afterwards, we're like, let's go to a brewery just to, you know, it was a Friday night. And we're like, let's go, let's go grab a brewski somewhere. Well, and I've always wanted to kind of go around Cincinnati trying the different breweries because there are dozens of breweries in Cincinnati and Dayton and everywhere in between. Middletown has a couple. um, Westchester has a couple that we're going to try. Northern Kentucky has some. So um what for what which ones have we been to well the first one was 50 west we did not rate that and we're actually rating these on a 40 point scale well we have four categories that we rate them so we've got drink selection which is like what do they offer and then drink quality so is it good um and then food and then the environment overall so like do you enjoy being there so the ones we have rated are um big ash brewery which is on beachmont avenue in uh i think that's technically anderson township i believe i don't think it hits mount washington until you go up the beachmont hill um but it's in that old um that strip area that strip mall area where there used to be a bigs and a starbucks and a subway and all this other stuff um then we went to Deadlow Brewery Brewing. That is on Kellogg Avenue, over there by the old River Star um, um, softball fields, and right off of 275 at the Kellogg Avenue exit, which is also where Coney Island is. Then we went to uh, Mad Tree, the big, you know, that's a big name here in town. Mad Tree and Ryan Geis are probably the two biggest ones here in Cincinnati. And then we went to Cartridge Brewing, which. You can talk a little bit about that because that's... Yeah, that was my pick. Um, It's in Mainville, so it's in the old Peter's Cartridge Factory. 
Um, so they used to make gunpowder and stuff there, and now they've transformed it into a brewery and restaurant and apartments, surprisingly. And, and the beer is good. I think is that that's the one that's rated the that's highest the one so that's far. Winning right? Yeah, now. that's the one that's winning out of the four. Their food was really good. Their food was spectacular. I got a salad. She got. You also got a salad, didn't you? Yes, but, but we, we got split, loaded fries. Yeah, we split loaded fries, which were fantastic. Um, so that's what I recommend. I can't really talk about which beers I like from each of them because we only had one or two from each. Mm-hmm. So I feel as though, to answer that question, we probably need to go back and try more until we determine <laughs> that. Although I will say my favorite foods so far were those loaded fries. Oh, those loaded fries. The waitress asked us, do you want regular fry- fries, sweet potato fries, or both? And we were like, uh, both. Both, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, well, in the, I mean, they give you that option. They give you, um, the, it's a, like a mix. So you get sweet potato fries, regular fries. It, it's cheese, just fa- cheese. Bacon. Sour cream. Oh, it's it so good. Fantastic. So if you're looking for your next brewery, we recommend, recommend Cartridge Brewing. It's on, oh, I don't know the street off the top of my head, but it's off, also off of the uh, Little Miami River. So it has great river views. Um, my friend Darren asked... Where would you rather live in the Star Wars universe? Hoth, Endor, Tatooine, or Bespin? I can't answer this one. <laughs> I'm going to keep it short and simple. Tatooine, easily. Um, yeah, because the other ones I'm not familiar with. I, I'm a casual fan of Star Wars, but I do know what Tatooine is. Um, so I would have to go back and watch the rest of the movies. Um, finally, and this is the question... Is that is for both of us because this is from my mother. She asked, "How do you think your life will change once you are married?" You go first. <laughs> I it won't change that much. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Well, as everyone knows, I'm moving. Once we get married, I'm moving from Cincinnati to Middletown. So for me, that'll be the biggest change. Living with Heather will be. I think it'll be fun. I. You know, they say you need to like adjust with living the per- with the person, which is which is true. Don't get me wrong, but Heather is just like one of the most fun people I know to be with. Um, we 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 are we're also like when we think we're on the same wavelength a lot. Yeah, like to, just for instance, tonight she I was I texted her I said so what's for dinner because I was coming up really late so I was like I assume we're gonna she's gonna make dinner because then we have somewhere to go. And she was like, how about the chicken ranch pizza? And I was like, yes. So, <laughs> so that, that's what I'm most excited for. What about you? Um, I'm most excited to just come home and you be here. Well, I won't. I teach, so. Technically, you you'll be home. You won't be here when I come home. But knowing that you'll be coming home yeah. to me. Yeah. And I won't have to drive 40 minutes to go see you. <laughs> or we won't have to, like, schedule to see each other. See, the only ba- the only downside of marriage is that I'm now going to have to drive 50 minutes to get to work. Because I work in downtown Cincinnati. But, um, but no, other than that, I'm excited. I love you. I love you, too. And what most people don't know, I'm going to go ahead and tease it. Even though my teases for future episodes usually don't work. Um, but... <laughs> I've decided I have one more episode. I'm going to do one more episode of the podcast before we kind of go on an extended break because of our wedding, and then we're going on a honeymoon. And so the episode coming out in two weeks, I think it's July, it's two days before the wedding, so July (laughs) 14th, 14th. 
will be the last episode until probably late August, probably some maybe early September. Um, just so we can, <laughs> we can get adjusted to married life <laughs> um, and kind of figure out what married life is going to look like. But you will get to know Heather a lot better because the final episode before the extended break, before season two, the season finale, this will be the season one finale <laughs> no pressure. of the Clayton Castle podcast, will be featuring the future Heather Castle. What? So <laughs> I hope you'll tune in for that. That will be happening in two weeks on July 14th. Thank you all for tuning in. Again, you can find us on Facebook. The Facebook page is the Clayton Castle Podcast. You can find the podcast itself on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you hit the like button. I don't know what they are. Like, subscribe, like, follow. follow, whatever <laughs> button is on any of those apps. And we will talk to you. Heather and I will both talk to you in two weeks. See y'all later.